And the whole point is to become holy as I am holy is what Jesus mm -hmm. tells us. And so what that means is we're getting rid of uh, the immaturity. So, you know, if I lean into, well, this is just who I really am. Well, you're 45. You should not be acting like you're 25. Right. Uh, there should be some parts of you that have matured since then. Welcome everyone to Reclamation Podcast, a Be Emboldened initiative. If you are new to us, I am Naomi. I'm the founder and executive director of BE, and we here exist for those impacted by religious trauma by providing support for prevention of victimization and re-victimization. We desire to create a safe place to heal and to ask questions. You can learn more about the resources we offer, including one-on-one -on -one mentoring, support groups, virtual courses, healing-focused getaways by visiting beemboldened.com. This episode is sponsored by Whitehaven Roasters. Whitehaven is a small batch specialty coffee roaster focused on connecting people with an exceptional cup of coffee. You can support their ethical and sustainable small business while also supporting Be Emboldened. You just go to whitehavenroasters.com and enter live free in the notes at checkout. We adore this couple. It's owned by Eric and Carly Bloom. We lived at Denver Seminary at the same time. We had our boys close to the same time. They are just lovely. So please consider getting your next small roasted pound of coffee from them. Today, we are talking about emotional health and spiritual maturity. Two things that most certainly did not come up, at least in any sort of helpful way for me until I was in college and learning about it a bit more myself. So with this, I want to introduce to you Roger Sharp. Roger was a pastor of nearly three decades and enjoys encouraging and challenging people with conversations of faith. He has his doctoral degree in spiritual formation from Northern Seminary and recently, I believe recently, launched his own spiritual direction practice. Yeah, called Sharp Spiritual Direction. He just got the perfect last name for this. <laughs> he and his wife, Mary Jo, also worked together on the nonprofit ministry she founded called Confident Christianity. So with that, thanks so much for being here. I'm excited for this conversation. <laughs> this is a fun one for me. Thanks, Naomi. I appreciate the invite. Jumping right into question one. So elaborating a little bit on the comment I already made about this was not on my radar. So emotional health has not been on the radar um, in many religiously abusive experiences, according to clients that we've engaged with. Like this is not something that comes up. In fact, if brought up, it would probably be closer to a despised concept mm -hmm. that would either be ignored. Like we don't want to talk about that. You know, we don't want people to be emotionally healthy. That's not going to help the agenda that we're proposing here. Um, or it could even be mocked basically in some way to shut it down. Mm -hmm. So essentially emotions are bad and obedience is good yeah. with this. Just knowing that that might be where our listeners today are starting from. I want to, I want to get into this by defining our terms. What do we even mean when we say emotional health? <laughs> well, I've got a very long version, but <laughs> we, oh, it, it depends on how much time we have <laughs> after three decades. It's like, oh man, but let me give you the short version to start to give us kind of a platform. Uh, and this is kind of where it's, uh, I use a lot of Peter Scazzaro and some other people that have uh, kind of delved into this area. And he says, um, it's an emotional health, which is uh, an intentionally paying attention to or reflecting upon what's going on inside of us but also looking around us and um, around us and seeing the people that are there. Mm. 
So why is this important? I'm a huge fan of emotional health these days. Why should other people be? Why does this matter? Well, we are um, emotional beings. We are physical beings. We are intellectual beings. We're social beings. So it's important because it's, uh, it's, we're humans and we have to uh, be concerned about who we are spiritually, intellectually, socially, emotionally, and physically. And emotional is just a part of who that is. It's a part of being human. Um, <laughs> I was watching the movie again, Inside Out. It's uh, the Amy Poehler mm-hmm. and from The Office. And so I was, I was watching Riley, who's the, the main character, and as she's having to deal with her emotions of joy and sadness and then the full range of emotions, anger, fear and disgust and all those things that just uh, become of who uh, part of who we are. It really is important that we um, are paying attention to our emotional health um, because it's, it's just a, a part of being human. Mm. Well, and something else about that movie that I appreciate so much is how they showcased the importance of emotions that people may consider like inherently bad or wrong and show that, no, there's a place for sadness. There's a place for anger. You know, those serve a purpose. And again, this audience hasn't necessarily heard that before. Exactly. Um, And if we don't have a place for sadness, we don't have a place for anger. If we're just ignoring it and pushing it aside and shoving it aside, then we're actually doing a disservice to ourselves because Mm -hmm. we need to grow in our emotions. Uh, Just like we need to grow in our intellect. We need to grow in our, our physical acumen. We need all those things to be um, who we are as human beings. Yeah. And scripture really does back this. It really does. Yeah. Would you mind what, what scriptures come to mind (laughs) that you think about again, three decades as a pastor, (laughs) hit me with it. (laughs) <laughs> well, there's a, a ton of scriptures. If we just look at um, purely on emotions, you have all of these um, characters throughout scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, and you look at the the prophets, they went into despair. Uh, they were upset with God. They challenged God. So they got the full range of emotions, anger and despair. And so you got all the prophets that are there. But there's a couple of uh, passages that come up in you know, being in an apologetics ministry. First Peter 3.15, we like to use that one as always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is within us. Mm-hmm. But that last little bit talks about doing so with uh, gentleness and with respect. And when we talk about gentleness mm-hmm. and respect, those are the emotions of love. Those are the emotions of compassion. It's seeing other people as better than ourselves, uh, as we see in Philippians 2. Uh, we should be humble thinking of others as better than ourselves and always having those emotions in check so that it's not about us. Uh, spiritual formation, we talk about giving the power over to the other person. Mm-hmm. And these passages line up directly with that. And there's a bunch of others as well. Um, there are a couple of passages that people bring up uh, when we're talking about emotions, like 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says that we're a new creation, the old is uh, gone and the new has come. They use that as a coverall for um, my sin is gone. My sin habits are gone. um, My emotions are in check now. So I'm not uh, having to worry about those things. But that's not Mm -hmm. what that passage is talking about. That's talking about our salvation. And we still have to deal with those emotions that we have from our past. We still have to deal with the emotions as they are uh, currently, too. And then the the other one, Jeremiah 17, 9, it says that the heart is sinful and this, uh, this desperately wicked above all things. And a lot of people like to equate 
heart with emotions when really um, the heart is something that's a little bit different. Uh, we're supposed to trust our emotions. We can trust them if we're mature in them. Um, but that's not what this passage is talking about either. So there's a couple of passages that come up in a different vein when we're talking about our emotions. Yeah, that can get so confusing because yeah. if we're told not to trust our hearts and that's equated to emotions and then, but the Holy Spirit communicates with us oftentimes through a feeling, like a feeling of conviction. Like I feel convicted about this or gosh, I kind of feel maybe this, this, pool that I should maybe dip my toe in in this area or maybe approach this person or and so if I'm thinking well I can't trust any of this mm -hmm. I think we're at risk of actually shutting down communication with the Holy Spirit do you have any yes. thoughts on that yeah uh, very much so um, and if we try to just push those aside and just um, lean into other areas of being human it makes it a little bit different um, I, I recently lost my sister to COVID um, mm. that happened last December um, and so it, it was tough. She was only 54. Uh, oh, so it, it affected the entire family. Uh, and at the time I was prepping to teach a class, emotional, healthy spirituality. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was ideal timing to, to lean into I'm angry. I'm sad. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling hurt and pain. What was the last thing I said to my sister? Um, so I really had to dig in and say, what do I believe about emotions? What do I believe mm -hmm. about scripture as they apply to emotions. It was a really trying time for me. Oh, absolutely. My goodness. And you're just coming up on this one year anniversary. Then my heart goes out to you in that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And when we're taught things like, again, sadness is bad or anger is bad or anxiety is bad. I mean, anxiety at times have, has served me very well. It's actually kind of alerted me to <clears throat> this is too much or something about this is unsafe. Something's off. I don't have a sense of peace. I need to take a step back. I need to consult some wise counsel. I need to pray. I need to go read scripture. So again, it's sort of this reframing of all these really big emotions um, yes. that absolutely can serve a purpose. But again, in, in a more authoritarian kind of control environment, mm -hmm. that scripture you had said absolutely of basically like shut it down, control it. And it's all about controlling the emotion versus, again, I kind of want to try to give people a little bit more on this definition. So I know you said, it, I'll give you the short one, not the long one, but I kind of want to bring in a little more of, <clears throat> we don't want to control it. We want to mature in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do we mean by that? How can we kind of make that a bit more tangible for people? What does that look like? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So as we begin to understand that emotions are important, we have to first recognize that emotions are important. It's a part of who we are and we need to lean into the introspection. Uh, and that requires deep, um, uh, examine is the, the spiritual formation term that we use. It's a, a looking inward. How did I do with God? How did I do with myself? How am I feeling in this body that I have to live this Christian life? Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the emotional introspection has to be a part of who we are. I think we get in the, the, the bad habit of going, all I need to learn is scripture. I need to pray and I need to go mm -hmm. to church and that's it. Well, those are all very good things. I do encourage those, but there is that part of introspection where we need to be honest with ourselves. How am I feeling today? What is my mood? What is my emotion? And we need to be honest about those areas of our emotion where we uh, are deficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, I've seen people just kind of be like, oh, well, this is where I'm at. You know, this is who I am. 
this is how God made me. There's mm -hmm. grace for it. So if I erupt, if I explode, if I, you know, whatever, just is what it is. It's like, oh, well, that's not, you know, that's not it either. Exactly. And, and I did a, a couple of sermons last year when I was uh, preaching and um, I focused around the big theological terms of uh, orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Mm -hmm. And these are just high level words for right thinking or straight thinking, uh, and then also right habits or right doing. Mm -hmm. But what I did um, as I threw in a third term, which we often neglect, which is called orthopathy. And mm -hmm. orthopathy is talking about the right attitude or the right heart um, as mm -hmm. we, and that involves our emotion. Um, so I've got the right thinking um, and I've got the right actions, but am I doing those right actions with a heart that is loving uh, my neighbor, myself and those that are around me? Um, I mean, Jesus said to Peter three times, do you love me? And of course, Peter loves Jesus, but why would he ask him that? He's going after the heart of Peter and saying, do you really love me? I know you want to do the right thing. You're thinking the right things, but mm -hmm. are you emotionally healthy? Are you loving me? Mm, I have not heard that term before. Yeah, it's, Which it's isn't a, good. Yeah, it's a good one. I think we just we omit it because uh, we're talking about emotions. We're talking about things that we dismiss, as you said in the introduction. Um, but it needs to come back into our terminology because it's a part of who we are. It's the deeper um, level of, of us. It's uh, way down deep. The, those emotions are, are real and they play into how we present ourselves to the people mm -hmm. around us. Yeah, absolutely. Because inevitably it's going to leak out. Exactly. And if we don't deal with them on a real level, um, if we're not being honest with it, they're going to get in the way of who we are. They're going to get in the way of the message. And we want the message to be truth, but mm -hmm. we also want it to be truth with love. Mm -hmm. I think part of what I'm hearing from you is it's about there being a, I'm going to be a little careful with my terms, but let me know if I should define them authentically and a genuine connection between what we're doing and saying and where we're actually at internally, that yes. there's a congruence there yes. between the two and that that's that's a goal to have is we don't want to be faking niceness and faking good deeds mm -hmm. we want to emotionally arrive at that place yes and I, I think we live in such a pretend culture or an image maintenance culture that we will present ourselves and pastors get um, get this all the time we'll present ourselves on stage as x but when you go to lunch with them and you see how they treat, um, you know, the people that are serving them or the people around them, it's two different people. Uh, and I've seen this multiple times and it's, um, and it's just not a good thing for a Christian witness. We need to be who we are professing that we are in public uh, as well as in private. Uh, and more importantly, as I started to discover when I um, was studying spiritual formation is, um, your family, your family, mm -hmm. <laughs> they know exactly who you mm -hmm. are in private and what you're saying in public. And if those don't match, uh, then we've got an environment that is um, not good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> I'm curious your thoughts on this. I see an important step in this whole process being that initial self-awareness and recognition of, mm, yeah, this isn't matching. This isn't aligning. For example, I was having a conversation just with my husband last night about some tension in a different relationship of mine. And I shared with him, like, I don't like that. I feel this way about it. I know this isn't, this isn't where I want to be, mm -hmm. but I'm really angry. And I could say some really ugly things. 
And I don't want to do that. I don't want to be there, but it's where I am right now. So I need to work this through and spend some time here before I go engage this other person because it's, I'm, I'm going to be dishonest, but I also don't want this to be what's honest, you know, so I need to press pause here for a little bit. Oh, that's good. And, and I mean, you've done the first step, which is recognizing that you don't want to present yourself in this way with these emotions. And you're recognizing that you've got some anger there. And those mm -hmm. are all great. A lot of people would just use those for I'm right. And I'm going to go unload on this person. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not, you know, that that's not what you want to do. You want to try to restore this relationship. Mm -hmm. You want to seek peace between the two of you. Uh, and so you're recognizing that you've got this uh, there. And so being honest with yourself, being honest with God, seeking counsel from your husband and others mm -hmm. around you, those are all very good things before you engage um, the other person and try to do so without um, words that inflame the situation, but are, that are seeking reconciliation and peace. Right, right. And I hope that's a hopeful example for our listeners and viewers. Um, I know so many of you out there have have tension in relationships, either from families of origin or communities that you have lost to one degree or another, um, maybe within the household as you're going through changes. And so starting to tune into, okay, this is how I feel. I'm not going to try to just stuff it because let's be real, you guys, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> right. It doesn't, at least not forever, right? It's going to come out stronger at some point than it you know, matches the situation at hand is usually what's going to happen. And so slowing down. Yes. And, and starting to pay attention and not just trying to control, be like, gosh, okay, why is this here? And what do I do with it? Mm. And you mentioned the word control. It is so valuable mm. because what we want to do is give over control. Uh, most of us like to have control of a situation and, and have that power. But when we're giving over that control to the other person, it lets their voice be heard. And now you've fully heard them and they feel like they've made a connection with you, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excellent point. Also for people who have come out, you know, they've had a change in their community. <clears throat> they've had a change in their, to their church, their leadership, sometimes in their families um, more directly. How do we assess the state of someone else's emotional health? Like we're looking to start new relationships. Okay. It's like, gosh, we're kind of starting over here. This is scary. Trust is hard. But how do I assess that? For example, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at someone new. And oh, I, I'm also maybe having this feeling of, well, I, maybe I don't feel like I got it right the first time. And I'm, I'm using that in their terms. I wouldn't agree with that it was right or wrong, but, you know, we're kind of living and learning here. But yeah, what can I what can I do differently as I'm assessing for potential red flags? <laughs> well, with anybody in the, in the age of social media, um, <laughs> go on Facebook, go mm -hmm. on Instagram, see what they're posting. Uh, that gives you a heads up about where their mind is. Um, if you see a, a lot of politics and they're engaging in a way that's not winsome, well, there's a red flag right there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, are, are they people that uh, can see both sides of the political spectrum when you look at them online? Well, that might be somebody you want to talk to that has uh, a depth about them. But on a more personal level, um, what are they posting? Do you see beauty in their pictures? Do you see uh, just a lot of uh, shares from things that they, they may want to try to prove? You can see a lot about people in their social media postings and people that aren't doing social media. When you meet them in person, are they looking you in the eye? Um, are they cordial? Are they listening? Or are they just prepped to tell you a story? Because uh, mm -hmm. if, if the conversation's one-sided, if it's just all about them, 
Well, um, there's a little bit of a, a spiritual um, look into where they are or where they aren't. Uh, so just, you know, the normal conversational things, are, are they a person that's interested in other people? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are they asking you questions? Are they trying to engage and get to know and not have, you know, sometimes you get this sense from people that there's almost this pressure that they need to just tell you a bunch of stuff. <laughs> they need to yes. tell you all that they know. <laughs> and that's definitely something where I kind of step back of, okay, I'm okay listening to you, but you're probably not the person I'm going to share much with. Exactly. And some people, that's a defense mechanism. They're really good storytellers. And so they mm -hmm. feel like that's, that's who they are. And that's okay. Uh, there are some natural mm -hmm. storytellers out there. And I, just, I love to be around those people. Mm -hmm. But if the natural storytelling is a defense just to control the conversation, um, then that might be a cue for, ooh, where are they emotionally and spiritually? Mm -hmm. What about if there is a conflict? If someone's been getting to know someone a little bit and okay, you know, we've been around each other enough now where there's, there is a point of tension. We're going to have to have a conversation. What do you think that conflict looks like in an emotionally healthy two people who are having this versus maybe someone who's not? Sure. Uh, I, I taught another class years ago by Ken, uh, Ken Sandy was the author and, and the, the book's called Peacemaker mm. uh, and Peacemaker. Uh, the whole thing revolves around peacekeeping and peacemaking. Uh, peacekeeping is what we routinely do. If we've got a conflict, we just want to um, be okay with each other, but it's never really settled. Mm -hmm. uh, peacemaking is what you're talking about. Let's lean into this and let's try to make things happen that will actually resolve in a, uh, a scriptural way. And so the way to do that is, like you said, we're going to have those emotions. They're going to be high. They're going to be there. And you usually want to have a third party uh, there with you, somebody that both sides trust mm -hmm. in order to move mm -hmm. the conversation along. Uh, but those emotions are real and um, just notice those emotions. I, 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 I was taught that this is called an, a wave of emotion. So when that emotion comes over you, that's that adrenaline, that's that anger, mm -hmm. notice it, let it pass. And when it starts to subside, then you can start to trust your emotions and try to uh, have peacemaking happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a rule of thumb that if I'm responding in an email, text, you know, any kind of that kind of communication, and I can tell I'm, I'm irritated a bit. It's like, wait, 24 hours. <laughs> Smart. <Just wait. laughs> yeah, go ahead. I can write it out to get it out, you know, but if it's, if, if it was like a personal email to or something like that, I won't even put the, the email in it as a draft, just in case, heaven forbid, like Google mess up and send it or something. But if I'm like, I'm irritated, you know, and it's never, it's not ugly. I'm not ripping someone apart or something, but if it's just, gosh, you know, I think this might be coming, coming across a little more mm, than it needs to. I'm like, okay, I need to walk away. I need to sleep on this. I need to pray about it. And really it's, it's incredible what happens in that 24 hour period. I, I land in a very different place and it feels then authentic. That is in like, okay, that was me maybe reading into something, projecting something, um, being triggered about something else. And now I've had time to sort that. I'm like, I don't really feel this way in this situation with this person. There were these other aspects going on. My mm -hmm. four-year-old was crying, my, you know, whatever it is. And so, yeah, allowing that room to to step away. So yeah, I appreciate what you said about wait till you kind of come down from that wave of emotion mm. before you're going to actually engage. That's not being fake, you guys. It's actually being more real. Mm -hmm. 
It's so good. Um, and I encourage, you know, write that email and write it um, as angrily as you want to get everything out, but don't send that email. And like you said, mm -hmm. sleep on it for 24 hours. And usually sending the email is not the best thing anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, you usually just don't want to send it. You want to call or mm -hmm. be in person or invite them over for coffee or go out for coffee. Being in person uh, is way better than anything else because most people are going to read into, even if it's the best email sent, they're going to read into the email because you, the person, the, the body, the, uh, this thing that we have here, you can't express to them in words, what you can express to them in a room with them. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, kind of that power of presence idea. Like yes. we, we have a presence in a room. <laughs> God designed us that way. And so that was those nonverbals and you can just kind of feel it, you know, that idea of, oh, you could catch, cut the tension with a knife. You know, a lot of people have said that it's like, well, you could also just want to bottle up the joy in a room. So, yes. Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah. The other side. <laughs> yeah. So you're right. It's, it's good to do that whenever possible. So transitioning a little bit, but of course, very connected. That's why we're talking about both of these today. I also want to talk about spiritual maturity. So again, in this context that being bold and serves in spiritual maturity is most typically measured by who is the most obedient to the leadership and, or who does the most good works, you know, so it's going to be a more works-based um, approach most often. So what, what is really the truth here? <laughs> well, uh, I, I mentioned the earlier passage about, you know, Jesus saying to Peter, do you love me? Well, Peter's like, of course I love you. He's being obedient, but it, it comes back to the heart of the person. Um, you know, we've got these emotions uh, that come up and obedience is a good thing. So I don't want to knock that. But at the same time, the truth of, of the situation is that, um, if we're not doing it with a sincere and real heart, then we're just being obedient and we're setting ourselves up for a life that is um, not real. It's living mm -hmm. kind of a, a false self. It's not living our true self. It's uh, not being honest to our to who we are as a person. Mm -hmm. uh, so although it may uh, advance your career and it may give you parts of your life that um, other people want, it may not be what God actually wants for you. So it's a great question uh, because you have to balance between what I should do. Am I doing this with the right motives or am I not? And uh, it's, it's a tough situation to be, to be in because some people get stuck or they get trapped by abusers mm -hmm. and those abusers know what they're doing and yet they continue it anyway. And they're not taking care of the person that's in front of them to be who they actually are. It's an interesting process to walk through with people and also to reflect back just on my own my own story. I mean, coming from an environment where I was forced to lead a very duplicitous life mm -hmm. in the group, outside of the group, in, in public, it's exhausting. Yes. It's incredibly wearing and arguably wreaks havoc on the bar on the body, just mm -hmm. the stressors of that. And so, you know, it indirect correlation with autoimmune disease, all kinds of things, you know, that mm. can come out of this. And so, and I've heard this from, you know, gosh, hundreds of people at this point over the past several years. So when we have gone from leading a life in that way to some degree, you know, maybe more extreme on some ends or less extreme on other ends, we don't want to then recreate that. Mm -hmm in this way that we're talking about now where, well, I'm still going to make sure I'm checking the boxes and I'm kind of performing well mm -hmm. and I'm presenting well, 
but I'm not really where I'm trying to give people the impression I am. I'm not in that place. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we don't want to just go poop on everybody either. (laughs) (laughs) A better way to put it right now. (laughs) And I see that sometimes too, where it's kind of swing to the other end. Well, this is me and take it or leave it. And it's like, okay, that might be you now, but our hope is to continue to grow and mature and to continue in the sanctification process and have us look different mm-hmm. 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Yes. And, and the whole point is to become holy as I am holy is what Jesus mm-hmm. tells us. And so what that means is we're getting rid of uh, the immaturity. So, you know, if I lean into, well, this is just who I really am. Well, you're 45, you should not be acting like you're 25. Right. Uh, there should be some parts of you that have matured since then. Uh, and, you know, Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he talks about a lot of people that get up to the wall um, and it gets to a point where are you going to grow spiritually or are you not? And so there are some people in our churches that are in their 70s and 80s that are st- still spiritually um, stuck in their twenties or even as teenagers, because they just refuse to grow, uh, in their emotional, um, part of their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It can be such a devalued area. Mm-hmm. And I've really appreciated your distinction between the peacemaker and the peacekeeper. Cause as you were talking about, I'm like, Oh yeah, my mom had it confused because <laughs> I would hear, yeah, I'd hear regularly be a peacemaker, be a peacemaker, but that meant just stuff it and don't, don't create waves, mm-hmm. you know, don't say anything. Mm, yeah. And it's, it's no. such an important difference mm-hmm. between the two. We actually want to have true reconciliation and true uh, peacemaking mm-hmm. with people. Yeah. And that includes tough conversations done in love with orthopathy. Mm-hmm. Right. Good job. right? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so again, Assessing spiritual maturity when we're choosing a church or we're choosing a mentor, you know, any tips on that? What do we look for? Um, Yeah, when you're looking for a church, that's a tough one. Uh, Finding a perfect church, it's just not going to happen. So when you what I'm looking for is a healthy church Mm -hmm. and healthy churches typically have healthy leaders, people that are okay with themselves. Uh, and, and again, living in the age of social media, we have websites we can go to. And I like to go on to church uh, websites and look at their about section mm-hmm. so we can pick up on language, what's important to them. Uh, then also they'll routinely post their sermons online. Mm-hmm. And so you can go to YouTube and you can get a feel for uh, the people that are within that church, especially for the, the sermons. And if you hear language that is triggering or language that is not quite loving, Uh, Well, that can kind of reveal the heart of the person that uh, is presenting. And then the ethos of the church is going to pick up on what the the pastor's saying as well. And they, you're going to be stepping into a potential landmine if people are uh, not emotionally healthy. So there are some ways to look for uh, those things Mm -hmm. online, but when you go to the church, if you decide to go to the church um, again, listen to what people are saying, what they're not saying, are they engaging in conversation just because they have to, or are they engaging in conversation because they see a beautiful uh, soul in front of them, a person that is valued by God and they're being a representative of this church uh, mm-hmm. on that behalf. Mm-hmm. I think of, um, well, when I'm thinking of different indicators of someone's spiritual maturity, one thing that I know I look for is humility. Mm-hmm. That's something that, because lots of pride in unhealthy leadership 
I know, especially if you're talking, if we're going all the way and we're saying a cult leader, there's a lot of pride. It's necessary to be a good cult leader. You got to be a really prideful person. That'd be on the resume. You know, you got to have a lot of pride. I think <laughs> you're the only one that's got it right out there throughout history. So that's something certainly that I'd say, you know, I look for is, is there a, a humility in conversation? Not, not where anyone's getting run over, you know, people know what they know. But that's one of the things, yeah, I like to check for is, hey, is there that openness to conversation? And, oh, you know what? You know, that's a good point. Maybe I could think about that. Or maybe that, you know, didn't come across quite right. Or just that that kind of welcoming uh, presence with someone, that ability to talk with them. Yeah. And also, um, I'll add to what I was talking about there, which is in relation to what you just said. Uh, it takes a long time, um, more than just one meeting or one glance mm -hmm. on YouTube or, or uh, websites. Uh, you may need to go back, you know, two, three, four times to a church uh, to see long term, uh, are they who they um, pretended to be or are they actually who they uh, were when I met them the first time? Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like, you know, when you're meeting people, it takes a while to see if it's a, a pretense or if it's actually who that person is. So it takes a while. You have to watch people for a time to see if that's really uh, what's going on beneath Absolutely. And I want to bring in because I, I really uh, agree with you. And of course, Mary Jo with her book, you know, um, that I'll probably link as well for people to check out. Just I know that the two of you as a couple have a very healthy view on church and community. Or at least let me put it this way, Roger, I'm projecting her view onto <laughs> you right now because we haven't talked before. Right. So I'm assuming the two of you are in some big fight in your household about it and that you're on the same page. Well, hopefully we're on the same page. Yeah, we've been married for, gosh, 29 years as of this January. So <laughs> you got 20 years on me. We just hit nine. So Congratulations. Yeah, we aligned. We definitely aligned. And we talk yeah. about this every morning at coffee. So, yeah. Yes. So. So we know we're not going to go find this perfect situation. And so while we're trying to assess for things like emotional health, spiritual maturity in the, the group congregation, we're checking out, what does grace look like? What does reasonable look like? How do we bring that into it as well? Mm. Well, now we're into some an intuitive areas. Um, and, you know, as you've lived life for a while, you start to pick up on uh, people and if they're being honest or being fake. Mm -hmm. But there's one thing I think we overlook as uh, believers frequently, which is the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can go into that morning, experience it, go to lunch, and then, you know, the promptings of the Holy Spirit as we ask. Uh, the Holy Spirit wants to tell us what we need to know. And if we have a deep spiritual life, a real spirituality, you're going to start to hear from the Holy Spirit, maybe not audibly, but mm -hmm. you'll have that recognition. Um, when I do my spiritual direction sessions, uh, I talk about uh, dissonance and resonance. Mm -hmm. So resonance being where are some things that I'm going, okay, this is making sense. I'm feeling some areas that, that are true and honest there. Dissonance is, man, I'm feeling some uh, friction in this area. Why am I feeling friction? So as you start to recognize how the Holy Spirit is leading you, that um, leads to your intuition. Mm. I love that. And I think we might be about to get into that a little bit more. We'll see which direction you take this. But <laughs> how can we lean into our, our own personal growth in these two areas? Right. And this is one of those areas that I, I have just recently in the last 10 years started to take a serious look at. Because uh, when we talk about counseling or pastoral counseling or, you know, even life coach is a big thing now. 
um, you know, we, we say the big word psychotherapy, which scares people because mm. people because, oh man, what is that? I don't want to be psychoanalyzed. I, I'm, I'm saved. God has changed me. So I don't need any of that stuff. It, my heart's been changed over the last 10 years because, um, I see a lot of good in counseling. Um, people who look at the emotions and look at the mind, they've got some expertise, knowledge, just like a, a medical doctor would have, mm. um, Pastoral counseling is always good because this is a person uh, in your life that you should trust and they've got training in this area. I had pastoral counseling training, training in seminary as well. Uh, but a new one, spiritual direction, uh, which I've just recently gone into and started my own um, spiritual direction practice, uh, it's a completely different way of looking at it. Uh, and I love what spiritual direction does because it's not psychotherapy counseling. It's not pastoral counseling. It's not life mm -hmm. coaching. It's kind of in that middle, that liminal, um, middle part of, of spirituality and psychology as well. So <clears throat> I'm going to share something with you vulnerably right now, just to prep mm -hmm. you for it. And, um, I, I, I believe that you're going to get where I'm coming from here. So I'll give you a little background though. I, when I came out of my group, I then kind of got into some like new agey stuff. Like I was like, well, my dad was kind of who I needed approval from. So I was trying to like, well, does he, am I still on the right track? Am I so not full on consulting with the dead, but heading in that direction, Reiki, tarot cards, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, then as I kind of reconnected with Christianity, it was a little more um, like Sozo, those kinds of things. So these are terms different people that are listening to you probably will be familiar with. Maybe they've had some of that too. And then it sort of headed into a little bit more of the spiritual direction area, but it felt really familiar to some of that and how it was, how it was being engaged. And I don't hear any of that in what you're saying. So I I'm curious. And part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I'm like, I, I trust you. I know your sound. And so I want to kind of reframe spiritual direction for myself and do it on this so that anyone else who's listening can also learn more with me mm. of, Hey, we've had kind of a messy background and spiritual direction sounds maybe a little like woo woo to some of us, mm -hmm. but from what you're saying, it's not. And what I saw on your website, it's not. And I mean, they teach it at Denver seminary for heaven's sakes. And I consider them to be, you know, strong and solid and I'm getting my degree from them. And so what would you say to this? Like what, where are we kind of missing the mark and what's actually going on? Yeah. And there's so much to that question. And thank you for being vulnerable. Um, I think at some point we've all had experiences uh, with that side of, of this area that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I have um, in high school and in college, I've been around it, seen it, family members that are part of that. So I understand what you're talking about. Um, yeah. And being in Western culture, we immediately go to this and, mm -hmm. you know, um, our intellect can solve everything. You know, we just, we don't pay attention to the body. We don't pay attention to anything else. We just lean straight into brain. Um, and I think uh, because of the nature of spiritual direction and spiritual formation, which is more Holy Spirit leaning, uh, we can't control the Holy Spirit. And we can, we can give definitions to what we think the Holy Spirit is. But at the same time, it's a control issue for us. The Holy Spirit may be saying, hey, I want to do this in your life. I want you to look deeper. And we may not want that. We may resist it. And we have a free will to do so. 
but at the same time, I think we're averse to it because the Holy Spirit is scary. That's beyond our control intellectually. It's beyond our control um, emotionally and uh, psychologically. So there's mm-hmm. change that's needed, but we <laughs> we don't want God to talk to us sometimes because we may not like what he has to say about where we are. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm. And if, if someone sits down with you for a spiritual direction appointment, would you mind giving an overview of what that, what that looks like? Sure. Kind of the structure of it. Yeah. And I've been doing this for about a year now. Um, mm. so I'm still fairly new to it. Um, but I, I'm so glad I'm doing it. Um, so I, I did my I, I did my uh, spiritual formation doctoral degree with Ruth Haley Barton at the Transforming Center, mm-hmm. and that was my first experience with what is a spiritual direction session. What, what what's going to happen to this thing? Am I going to be levitating off the ground? What's what's right. going to be happening here? And I think a lot of people think that's what goes on. Um, or are we opening ourselves up to spirits that we shouldn't be opening ourselves up to? Mm-hmm. And I really had to wrestle with some of that. As long as your, your theology is grounded, and mine is very much conservative theology, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, in a spiritual direction, ses- direction session, um, as, as long as we're understanding that we're coming straight out of scripture and this is sound, that we shouldn't be scared of it. So in my mm-hmm. sessions, uh, we will begin uh, with a little bit of you know, conversation. Where are you today? How are you doing? A little jovialness at the beginning. But I will open with a full five minutes of just silence. And as I've discovered, most people don't have the space in their life. They don't just sit in silence for five minutes. And what will happen in that time is we um, will set our body, we'll set our mind, set our emotions. We'll be listening, at least hopefully listening to what's going on inside, but also listening to the Holy Spirit. And me being with them there in person or on Zoom Uh, It's having a friend, a companion with you in this space. And it's such a unique experience. And then as we come out of that time of silence, uh, gently, uh, I'll say, so what were you thinking? What what impressions did you have? What images did you have in your mind? And we'll uh, lean into what that means at that time. Mm. The whole time, we're just dependent upon the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Um, if anything gets a little bit haywire or awkward in that time, mm-hmm. uh, I'll try to bring us back to scripture. I'll bring us back to, um, uh, what we understand about who God is. So it's, mm-hmm. it's good having somebody that's conservative in their theology in the room while mm-hmm. this takes place. So there's just kind of a, a quick overview of what happens in the session. Yes. Yes. And having the, I know, uh, you had said what 30 years as a pastor. And so having that background of time in theology, in the scriptures, in interacting with others, um, in learning to listen well, and, you know, all these important practices that creates, at least for me, a sense of safety mm-hmm. and trust that I think is incredibly important for these kinds of relationships. I mean, it's for any kind of therapeutic, anything like that. We t- I talk with people about it could be a great therapist, great counselor, great mentor, but if you don't feel like you can trust them, it's not going to be helpful. Yes. So sometimes it's just that connection kind of needs to be there. Um, but I really appreciate that overview. I'm someone who likes to you know, assessing safety first, I like to lean into things where I'm like, you know, I think this is just my issue and I don't think it's actually founded. And so my last class in my degree at seminary will be a Christian formation class. And it requires I meet with a spiritual director actually throughout the semester. And so I'm looking forward 
with a little bit of anxiety, I'm looking forward to kind of stepping into that and finding out more about it um, because I've heard wonderful things and there's wonderful people like you who are offering this service. I'm like, gosh, you know, that sounds like it could be really incredible. And maybe, maybe there's some redemption there, you know, for, for those of us who have had something that wasn't actually the real deal for us to experience um, growth. Mm, that's good. I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, really at the end of the day, uh, spiritual direction is about deep listening. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a good spiritual director, they're going to uh, maybe talk 20% of the time. Um, it's amazing what can happen in a spiritual direction session if the person that's leading that is really listening to the other person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that just from the counseling side of things, mm -hmm. you got to be able to pick up on, yeah, even what's not being said potentially. So, mm -hmm. and of course being prayerful throughout it, as you've mentioned, well, thank you so much. I, I have no doubt that this conversation is going to bless people. Mm -hmm. Again, these are terms that were just no nos for so many of us and <laughs> they need to be people need to embrace these they need to reframe them and i really hope that this gives them kind of a foundation to get them started on okay wh where do i begin what do i do and how can i grow and and continue to to become who you know all that god's designed me to be mm -hmm.